0: It's been a while, um, uh, since I've stood up here, um, uh, as a matter of fact, uh, uh, almost a year or a little over a year, uh, as I come before the church the first time and, uh, I could, I would be, uh, remiss if I told you this, it's easy, uh, it's not for me, uh, it's not for this country boy from, um, South Georgia who was saved by grace and allowed to come before you today, um. As a matter of fact, last year when I left the podium, uh, relieved that I had finished my first sermon, I stepped down, uh, Michael came to me and he said, man, that was good. You need to do that more often. Well, a year later, Michael, I'm back. And I don't think he's in here this morning, but, uh, and I do have a disclaimer. Uh, it seems like uh, we elders are a very diverse group. Some of us change schools very often. Some of us change trucks very often. <laughs> Uh, I don't hardly change at all, as my wife would say. Uh, As a matter of fact, this is a shirt I wore last year when I preached. (laughs) It happens to be my favorite shirt. Uh, uh, I tend to keep things, you know, when I, uh, a couple of years ago, when we decided to sell our house and move, uh, I think it took Tony and I probably a month to get rid of the stuff I had accumulated over 36 years in that place. it would like to kill both of us, hauling it off, but, um again i thank you for being here and i hope god will bless you it was the last song was uh so fitting you know uh, let it be god you know um uh, give the glory to him uh another thing you didn't know about me and but some of you do is that i am a perfectionist um causes a lot of heartache with me because i'm not a perfect person but my wife repeatedly calls me that and tony gets frustrated by that every time we work together and try to do something but Uh, I know I lean that way somewhat, but it's just because uh, I've done so many things wrong in life. I try to get a few things in my control that's within my control, as close to perfect as possible. Uh, And uh, I just have a a hard time saying two words, and it's close enough, uh, because I do want to get it perfect. You know, and and as I said, we did move a couple years ago, and we were attempting to build our last home. We don't want another one. This one's going to... This is not to say it's going to kill us, but it has been a a chore because, um, uh, you see, I want it perfect, but perfection only exists in our Lord and Savior. Uh, It may be in our minds, it may be in my mind to try to get things perfect, but it's not going to happen uh, most of the time. But, you know, we spent 36 years in that house, and um, and most of the time I spent my time changing uh, the house, wanting to add to it or do something, but... Um, the reason was uh, I'm in a business where I see a lot of new things in homes and I acquire a little knowledge. And I said, well, I, I think our house needs to look like that, so we'll add on or do something. But you know, it was, it was my knowledge in the business that prompted me to do this. And as our knowledge increases in things, we, we tend to make changes in our life. Um, you know, The home I'm building now, it's not going to be perfect. Uh, the materials and the people that work on it, are not perfect. I know that. Uh, I wanted to. Ha- I wanted to build a house that had, um, you know, no sheetrock in it. And if if y'all uh, knew me, you know that I have an aversion to that. I work with it all the time, and I hate, I hate it. So I wanted a house with a lot more wood in it, uh, wood ceilings and wood walls. Even though we did paint some, and that's very labor intensive. And at this day and time, you know, labor is expensive if you hire it. So it's me and Rhonda and some family and friends, and you know, friends that, and my family, I'm going to be forever indebted to them, but, uh, you know, my wife's even learned to run a miter saw, uh, and she does very good with a tape measure if it's got all the numbers on it, and, um, uh, and she's, she's learned, to, she's learned that 3 sixteenths is just one notch more than an eighth, you know, and, but, but she has, she has done, uh, done very well at that. Uh, I, um, I wanted to talk about knowledge today and and how it relates to us as far as uh, what we need to do and act like as Christians. Uh, This new knowledge is very useful when it's put into action. Uh, I cannot tell you how many times YouTube has bailed me out uh, on getting some things right, especially with my house. Uh, You know, we we had some hiccups along the way, but uh, when we put knowledge to use correctly, uh just things 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 seem to go better and, and i know when you have people involved there's going to be um things go wrong most of it's miscommunication and our lives as christians are so much that way you know we have god's word readily available to us everyone here probably has a phone even kids five years old you can access god's word anytime in any place that you have a signal and it's just there for us um uh, Putting it into action, though, is another is another thing. How often do we come to church, or we have God's word speak to our hearts, and then uh, we go? And I'm not, I'm not speaking to y'all. I'm speaking to myself more so than anybody. Uh, we can let the world get in and just uh, keep us from using what you know God's given us and what we need to have. Um, the thing about knowledge and putting it to use. You never know when it will have eternal significance. Uh, things happen in our lives. I mean, there's, uh, I could stand here for uh, probably hours. And Phil, don't be uh, dismissed if you're in here by how many pieces of paper I have. Because uh, it's font size. It really dictates whether I can see it or not. <laughs> it's not so much uh, the quantity, but it's how big it is. Uh, we're not guaranteed like in building my house that a window is not going to be out of square or or life's not going to have trials um because you know even even as late as yesterday um I came home Thursday a little bit feeling bad and Friday it got worse and by yesterday you know I was having chest pain and arm pain and my wife Says, we happen to be close to Carrollton looking at something. And she says, we just got to go to Tanner. And, you know, as, as a typical husband, I fought it. I said, no. Nah. I went on because it was hurting. And and you never know. And after spending three hours over there, we found out everything is fine. Blood work's fine. EKG's fine. But, you know, I told her, I said, it's just nerves. You know, the closer it gets to Sunday, uh, nerves are going to get to me. And a lot of times that's how we, you know, we miss out on using God's, what he's done for us. Is we It's just nerves. You're afraid to speak up or speak out to someone. Uh, and and it, it just hinders us. It hinders us in having the life that Christ wants us to have. Um, if you look in 2 Timothy 3, uh, 16 through 17, Paul is, write, Paul is writing to Timothy and he says, All Scripture is God-breathed and is, uh, excuse me, is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped and forever good work. If you look again in 1 Peter uh, 23, uh, chapter 1, 23-25, For you have not been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. For all people are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, and the flowers fall, but the word of the God endures forever." And lastly, James 1, 2. James does not come to tell us that trials are going to come our way, when trials come our way, but they are going to come our way. And with God's help and his word to guide us in dealing with these trials, we can overcome and see what God has done for us. And as I always like to say, my cup is half full. It's not half empty. We never know who is watching us when circumstances can uh, have eternal consequences. And... As we look in James today, and our verses, uh, if you want to go ahead and turn to it, James one, verses nineteen through twenty-seven, uh, we'll see that this book is so relevant today. James read it to the, read it, wrote it, to the Jews that had been dispersed all over. Uh, at the, At that time, they said the Jewish faith was in most ever, you know, ever community, and but he was writing to them because he, they knew the law, but he was writing them to tell them how they they should act. Uh, if you want to stand right now, we will read, read these verses. Boy, it light's bright. In verse 19, it says, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires, therefore get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they had heard but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. And he goes on in 26. Those who consider themselves righteous religious and yet, do not keep a tight rein on their tongues to see themselves. And never, religion is worthless. Religion that our God, our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this: to look after orphans and widows in their distress, and to keep oneself from being polluted by the word, by the world. Uh, dear Father in heaven, we thank you for this day, and opportunity to come before you, Father, to to expound on your word, Father, and to Father to see and and again be. Uh, Put into our hearts, Father, that there is is a life that is pleasing to you, Father, and that we need to lead it. And we have your word, Father, to guide and direct us. As we go through this service today, Father, open our hearts to receive it. In Jesus' name I pray. You may be seated. I won't leave you hanging today. In the first part of James, in the first two verses, it says, My brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, for the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. God has given us three things in this first two verses to consider. He's not telling us just to be silent always or or not to even get angry. He's not telling us that at all. As Christians and with a Christian attitude, we should listen more than we should speak. Many have pointed out in Word, and I've read this several times, but you know people point out in the word and it's kind of funny, but you know God did give us two ears to hear and, and just one tongue to speak, and if you want to go even a little farther he even give you some teeth to fence that tongue in <laughs> we sh- And we should show restraint in a tongue and be ready to listen to others you know i I listened to a radio station some time back, uh and not all radio is good, but sometimes you'll you'll get these little nuggets, but this particular host of this show was interviewing. Um, an elderly couple. They were in their mid 90s, been married 71 years, 72 years maybe. Had raised seven kids. And for whatever reason, something had come to his attention that these people, he would like to talk to them on while his show was going on so people could listen to him. And after I listened to him 30 minutes, I, I certainly agreed because here, here was a man that uh, raised seven kids. He was retired CEO. And so he was learning. But in the course of the conversation, he asked him, he said, You know, what's one thing in life do you think you got wrong? What's one thing that, if you had a chance, would you do over in life? And he said, You know, he said, I'm 90. I think he was 95, maybe 96. He said, You know, I'm old now and I don't hear as well as I used to. But uh, we can all hear, but I should have been a better listener. He said, of all the things that I could tell you, I should have been a better listener. And, and I thought that was, that was very good. You know, we could all listen to that kind of wisdom. As a matter of fact, that one of the producers that worked with this show was t- uh, emailing um, the talk show host in the middle of the conversation telling him, hey, if you take this couple out to dinner, I want to go. He just had, they just had s- such an impact of wisdom on them. Uh, you know, because when we're, when we're listening more, we're not talking more. And one thing that we probably all can relate to right now is, uh, have you ever said anything that you immediately regretted it? And maybe not just to your wife. You know, I have. You know, I've done it. Uh, and I, I'm trying hard to be a better listener instead of someone who just shoots off the mouth. Uh, if you look in Proverbs 10:19, it says, Sin is not ended by words, but the prudent hold their tongues. In Proverbs 21:23. Those who guard their mouths and keep their tongues keep themselves from calamity. And one of my favorites in Proverbs twenty six twenty I think Daniel alluded to this last week, or, or he did mention this, says, without wood a fire goes out. Without a gossip a quarrel dies down. You know Solomon even wrote uh, that those who guard their lips preserve their lives, but those who speak rashly will come to ruin. Or another translation that uh, my wife doesn't like for me to read says careful words make for a careful life. And careless talk may ruin everything. Uh, most of the time when we speak before we listen, it's because we're not getting our own agenda taken care of. You know, we're, we, we profess to um, follow a God who tells us to, uh, you know, to consider others first. Don't consider ourselves first. Uh, be other centered not self-centered. In Philippians, we see in chapter 2, verse 3 and 4, it says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, count others as more significant than ourselves. Let each of you not look not to his own interests, but to the interests of others. And as Christians, we should reflect that in our speech. I mean, it's, it, it's, it, may be, it may have been a fad. You don't see as much anymore. But I think four of the best letters ever put, been put together was WWJD. Always consider what would Jesus do in them circumstances. And the third thing in these first couple of verses he has us to look at is wrath. And by definition, wrath is just extreme anger. James is teaching us to be slow to be angry. Anger will produce, not produce the righteousness of God, and we should be careful. Anger is built also on our needs not being met. It does not always manifest itself by outward appearance. You know, we can hold it in, and I've I have had that. That's been a problem in my life because you don't you don't hide it. You may hold it in, but in your actions, in in how you look and really it's just going to eat at you and he tells us you know to to be very careful with that god knows our hearts and we need to uh, show others in how we act in romans 12 verses 17 through 20 says do not repay evil for evil be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone if it is possible as far as it depends upon you live at peace with everyone do not take revenge my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath for it is written, it is mine to avenge and I will repay, says the Lord uh, when we're having conflicts with others, we need to look to Proverbs 15:1. it says a soft answer turns away wrath but a harsh word stirs up anger remember what it said about the wood and the fire now we seem we need to be slow to speak and quick to listen and slow to wrath, but when we're doers of God's word, in verse 1 it tell, verse 21 it tells us Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and evil that is so prevalent and humble accept the word implanted in you which can save you. You know, when I was very young, I lived on a farm, and it had this large oak tree in the front yard. You know, it was, with most oak trees that get real large, it's hard to get grass to grow, and, and my family wasn't into lawn care, so it was mostly dirt under there, and I love toy soldiers, and I love to get out there and dig tunnels. And I would come in in the afternoons, and I'd just be filthy. and My mom would send me straight to the tub. You know that kind of feels out outwardly, but what James is talking about here is morally. You know how we how we treat each other, and how what we think about others, and what we what you know what we let the world come into invade into our lives, and brings into us. And it's it's not getting any better. You really need to guard guard yourself. Uh, god's word will help us do that it's life-giving and it will it will be something we need to keep in our lives it's not enough excuse me it's not enough for us to look at god's word and we even have a bible you know you possess a bible but how often do we let a bible possess us and keep us keep us in right relationship with god by following his word uh james was writing To the Jews disperse and let them know that God's words will preserve their physical life. In Proverbs 1, verse 7, it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but the fools despise wisdom and instructions. In Proverbs 10, 27, the fear of the Lord will prolong your days, but the years of the wicked will be cut short. If we fear the Lord, let us look at his word for life. Does your actions reflect who you belong to? I once met a man uh, at McDonald's in Huntsville, Several years ago, we had taken the family to see the, um, I think it was the um, Space Museum. And I got up early, you know, like Grandpa was supposed to do, and went to McDonald's to get everyone breakfast. And I was standing there in a line at McDonald's, and this guy walked up behind me, very friendly, and asked how I was doing. You know, it didn't take that guy five minutes to find out I was a Christian and what God was doing in my life. And you could just see something in him that was contagious. That's something I needed. I didn't do that. I don't do that. Like, do that like I should today. We all need that. Um, but do we all do we all take God's word and let it become implanted in us so that we are that kind of person that can find out about those around you and, and what you can do to help? Uh, when I was very young, uh, well up till i was 23 you know i worked with horses my dad trained them and there was an old saying and i looked this up just to just to see this saying dates back i think to the 12th century it says you can lead a horse to the trough but you cannot make him drink and it's very true horses are smart they're strong you're not going to make them do what they want to they're not going to drink and we as christians fall in the same dilemma we come to church most every sunday but do we drink of the word and let it become implanted in us, or, or do we do as Stevens said to the people back in Acts 7:51? Are you stiff-necked and uncircumcised in your heart and ears? You always resist the Holy Spirit. In verse 22 of James 1, it says, "But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves." Every Sunday, and I think it's very important, we're urged to go and live sent. But if we don't take the Bible and act like it has meaning in our lives, are we deceiving ourselves? it says here how can we show those around us that we are a living sin if we don't live out god's word in our lives jesus at his sermon on the mount states in matthew seven twenty four through 27 therefore everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on a rock the, the rains came the streams rose and the winds blew but and beat against the house yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock but everyone who hears these words of mine and builds his house on sand it's like it, it puts him into practice like a foolish man because we all know that the rains are going to come down the streams are going to rise again and the winds are going to blow and that house will fall with a great track crash trials in our life are real the world is not meant to be our final home god's word lived out in our daily lives it will help us overcome these trials I read a quote from someone who asked if the sermon was done. He replied, the sermon is certainly done, but the doing has only begun. Um, Cody spoke in a sermon not long ago where he mentioned about me labeling people as doers and don'ts, or the wills and the wants. And this originated from my years of working with people who had all the knowledge at their their disposal to um, complete a job well. But for whatever reason... And I've seen it happen an awful lot. For whatever reason, they just fell short. They had the knowledge of what to do, but uh, they just didn't accomplish the goal. In verses 23 and, and tw- through 26, it says, Anyone who listens to the Word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. God's Word is life-giving. It calls us to take a deep look at ourselves. Most everyone who listens to God's Word, priests, or opens their Bible and reads God's Word earnestly will have it change their lives. Before I go out in the morning, you know, I always take a look at myself in the mirror like everyone here probably does to make sure nothing's out of place. And, you know, my barber told me for years I had the stiffest and the coarsest hair he had ever cut. Now that my daughter in law cuts my hair. She's introduced to me to this stuff that I think would make spaghetti stand on its end because <laughs> it works. Uh, and I don't want to go out in this world looking as if I don't care, so I make corrections, you know, before I go out the door. What, I, what have you and I come out here today for? To be with friends, enjoy God's word? I hope it's to get something for God. And my prayer is, and those that have come to me before I come up here, and I'm forever going to be. Um, Blessed by that and remember that, you know, let God's will be done, not mine. Um, We're here today because we want something. We want something that this world cannot give us, only God. Um, Walking in the light of God's words tells us to do what is not easy. Uh, Even on days when most things go right, there are trials we have to overcome. Don't let the world get in and make you forget who you belong to because you never know when God's Word is used to encourage someone. This may seem like country English to you, but the should-haves and the would-haves are always looking back at the what might have been and the could have been. Um, when this is sermon is over and you leave here, will you forget what God's His Word has spoken to you, or will you take it with you wherever you go? My family spent not long ago a long, hot Saturday at a ball field. You see, my grandson Bo was playing uh, for a chance to go to their little it's not world series but the to the next thing which is I think down in Mississippi and it was a long day a hot day you know and as many of you can attest it had all the drama of a little league ball game angry parents and coaches getting kicked out and but but there's always them little nuggets where you see kids succeed and and most of the time half the parents are unhappy and other half are happy depending on what's going on in time But they played three games that day. And for seven-year-old, that's tough to be out there all day and play three games. But they made plays, and they made errors, as we all do. But they played hard, and they finally made it down to what would be the last game or the championship game to get to go on to the next level. And there's this one little boy I've been watching for several games, and you can just tell there's something special about him. He can make plays. He knows what to do. When he gets the ball, he's not always just having to catch, play catch-up. He's ahead of the game for his age. But in this last ball game, with him with the lead, and they got a lead early, he starts getting nervous. He starts dropping balls that he's been catching for several ball games. And, it, and the game goes on. The other team gets close. And we get one out finally. We get two outs. The other team just keeps getting close. But finally, the last out is made. You know, most of you think God may not uh, care about a little league ball game, but God visits us wherever we're at. We just have to show up and, and show we're Christians like Him. But you know who the last ball was hit to? That little boy. I hope and pray that the coaches chose that time to show him how to persevere. Because it—I mean—it—it it touched my heart because I—I did that for 28 years, and with Michael and Caleb and. My grandkids coming up, and I know, you know how hard it can be on the kids. Um, what about you? I mean, have you had them times where trials just come your way and things that were not going right, but you just you persevered? Or did you, did you fall? I know a lot of times I fail. Um, when you look into God's Word, what do you see? Will you take it with you, as I've asked you before? Or will you forget it? Uh, don't forget what God's word can do in your lives, especially the lives of your family and those around you. Verse 25 tells us that whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom, and continues in it, not forgetting what they heard, but doing it, will be blessed in what they do. The key word here, to, for me, for me, is intently. Uh, I'm not good at a lot of things, but the things I do well, and the things we all do well, take more than a cursory, you know, indulgence. We do them a lot. And God's Word and reading God's Word is the same way. Uh, The more I hunt and fish, the better I am at it. The more I pay attention to the wife, the closer we become. I think I probably should have mentioned her first. (laughs) Um, God's Word is available, and it will set the proper course for our lives. We need it in good times or bad, and I especially think in the good times because a lot of times when we've got things going our way, we think we've got it made. Um, I don't have it made you don't only God his wisdom has it all together and he's given us 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 his word to help us through that verse 26 says those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless you see a lot of references here to briling your tongue and when I helped my father train horses, that would get me in trouble more than one thing. The one thing that would get me in trouble more than anything else would be if he ever caught me jerking on a horse's mouth. Because my dad prided himself on being able to deliver a horse to someone he was training for, that a horse that was manageable. And don't let him catch me jerking on his mouth. When we speak, we have to realize our words have the ability to hurt or heal. And our walk with God will bear this out. As I sit here Looked in, in the last few weeks in our new home. We were living in the basement and we're working on the main level now to get it done. I set up me a little workbench and had me a little table there where I could go up, get by myself, and work on my sermon. And you know, I had, you know, I sat there and I thought about the one thing in life that I might like to change. And no, it's not getting finished with the home so I can get back to fishing, which has really been, really fell off in the last couple of years. It's not to win the lottery. I mean, I did that when I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and again when I married uh, uh, Rhonda as my wife. <laughs> you, you see, I have to get her in here a lot. But what one thing that we wish, that all of us wish we could do in life, most often is to take back words we said in harshness or in, you know, when we might have. Could, could have went a lot different route and had a lot better uh, outcome you know most often it was when I didn't get what I wanted we're not going to get what everything we want in this world but you know I, uh, at one point in my life I used to every, every moment I had I would be out hunting or fishing whatever it was you know but God has taught me not quantity is not uh, the important thing it's quality so the, the less I get to go I just it's more quality for me than quantity now. Uh, whether those here today are listening online or old, it's not too late to show your faith and show how genuine your religion is. The Bible mentions the tongue in over hundred and twenty verses. I had to look that up. Most of them deal with how we use our tongue. Proverbs 18, verse 21 tells us death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. Proverbs twelve, eighteen. There is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. And one that I can relate to a lot. Proverbs 17, eight, 17, 28, says, "Even fools thought wise if they keep silent, discerning and discerning if they hold their tongues." I guess that's why I'm a quiet person. In James chapter three, which you'll you know you may see, you'll see in probably in further sermons, you'll see also how that tongue can hurt and heal. As well, you see, chapter one now is more, a lot, a lot of it's an outline for the rest of James, and I, uh, I, I would think it would be good for y'all to look forward to that. Uh, how we, and as I've said over and over, how we use our tongue is a good measure our, of our religion. You see, I, this sermon itself could be just on nothing but the tongue, but the tongue is not the only thing we have to, to, uh, to watch. In verse 26, I want you to know that I'm about as country as a blackberry bush on the side of 214. And sometimes I'll read the message, much to my wife's uh, dismay. And here it states that anyone who sets himself up as religious by talking a good game is self-deceived. This kind of religion is hot air and only hot air. Everyone here today or listening with some other device is a sinner. But if you've been saved by grace, your religion, what does your religion say about you? As we move on to verse 27. It states that religion that our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by this world. Our religion needs life, and he tells us here to visit orphans and widows in their distress. You don't visit them in their distress by thinking about them. You have to go and make a difference in their lives. If you focus on others as God has asked us to be other-centered, it will make a difference. And also, we're trying to have a, the world have a little less hold on us. And I know today, as, as we look in the news and as we see about us, the world is becoming a much, much worse place to live in. And God, if God tarries, uh, it, it, you know, it's only going to get worse. Um, do you live, as I get close to closing, do you live to sh- live as if you've been sent by God or sent by the world? I can't tell you that I don't struggle was letting the world get to me a lot of the time. I think the only reason I was uh, at the uh, mercy room yesterday was the fact that I was letting things get to me and the pressure. And uh, But the closer I got today and the closer I got to this church, and, and I got into, got into our uh, meeting this morning at 9, and it's just things just start clicking. And then one person after another comes to me and prays for me and tells me, you know, I'm, I'm there for you today. I'll be thinking about you today. You know that's what we need as believers. You know we, we need to meet together, and we need to grow together, and we need to uplift each other, uh, and that will help us become stronger together in our faith. You know our religion, we, our religion has got to have legs. And that, you say, how do you do this? You just need to keep God's words close, words close to your heart. Um, practice a religion that considers others and follows Jesus wherever He leads you. Um, and if you're Go, when you go out in this world take God's word with you uh, it will speak volumes about you, about you. Um, I don't have a lot more to tell you uh, I, I will tell you that uh, in studying this sermon for this sermon and these verses and the things that I looked at it brought conviction in my heart and I don't know how you are how you stand here today whether you this is your first time here or you've been here a while and you think you might want to join. But I do think we're going to partake in the Lord's Supper coming up. And at this time, if you want to come forward and um, we'll be down here for you. I mean, we as elders, we're not here blocking the pews or blocking the stage. We're here to, to be with you and just take us by the hand. And we'll certainly be glad. I know every one of the elders' hearts and their heart is for you and to pray with you. If that's what you so desire. So at this time, we do stand and we'll have our invitation. Thank you for watching or listening to one of our sermons. We would love to have the opportunity to connect with you one on one. We are not a perfect church, but we are a joyful church, and we want to help you increase your joy in Christ. We would love for you to come and worship with us one day soon. You'll be able to find information about our worship services, about who we are, what we believe, what we do, and what we're hoping to accomplish on our website at ironcity.org. and We would invite you to go and to check out all the information there. We look forward to seeing you soon.